OT Geniuses. My name is Jessica Lopez Hermanton, and I am the creator and founder of OT Genius, and you're listening to Pre-OT Secrets. On this show, we talk about how to get into occupational therapy school, how to do it in the most financially savvy way, and we also dive into the stories of pre-OTs, current OT professionals, and students to learn how they got in and what their experiences were like. And so we're here to inspire, motivate, and encourage you throughout your OT journey and show you how you can be a successful OT school applicant and become the OT that you want to be. Now, on to the show. And welcome to another episode with Pre-OT Secrets. We have Emily back with us. If you have not listened to the first episode where she was talking a little bit about her experience about being at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, go ahead and just cut that prior episode. She has a lot of good advice to the personal statements, what type of students they're looking for, and just how to grow and develop yourself in order to be more a top applicant when it comes to applying not only at the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, but any school, really. So be sure to listen to that one. And I wanted to have her on today again, because she is a mother and she's currently getting her PhD in occupational therapy, which is different from an occupational therapy doctorate so or the OTD. So let's go ahead and invite our guest in. Emily, how are you today? How is it going? I'm good, Jessica. I'm freezing. It's like <laughs> five degrees here. But other than that, I'm very good. <laughs> I, you see, I am very spoiled here in Miami, Florida. I recognize oh, that. I recognize that, you know, yes. and it, it, it wasn't even until, you know, like, I don't even know how long ago that I even realized, I'm like, oh, yeah, people have furnaces. Mm-hmm. I yeah I know we just moved here we moved here last month we've been here a month we came from Scottsdale Arizona and my okay. husband was just telling me this funny story that we just got a check from the gas company and I'm like why did we get a check from the gas company it's like it's a lot that's a lot of money what what did we do and he goes oh because he set it on auto pay but we don't use gas there because we didn't use our furnace because it's Arizona. So he just kept paying them. And then they, obviously they owed us a bunch of money because we never used our furnace. So it's the same thing. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, no, we don't even have a furnace here. Like, <laughs> so it's, it's not needed. So I, I just know. like, it hit me. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. People have those. I know. It's for, like, you get so spoiled. Floridian, total yes. Floridian. Anyway, so people want to get into the nitty gritty of uh, you know, OTD, PhD, Masters in Occupational <laughs> Therapy. There's so many different routes that you can go. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how is school going? Yeah, I, I know that you just started and how is that going for you? Uh, this is the end of my second week in the PhD program and I Ooh. am already feeling it. So I... What I did not realize when I entered the PhD program was you really don't have to take that many classes a semester. Uh, Here, I believe 
five, five or six credits is considered full-time as a PhD student. And I am enrolled in seven. And I was like, hmm, wish I had dropped that one other class, <laughs> but whatever, it is what it is. I'll do it. I'll make it work. It'll be fine. No worries. <laughs> You're a rock star, Annalyn. Oh, I appreciate you saying that because <laughs> right now it feels like it's sink or swim. And I'm trying to swim. I'm trying so hard, but it's hard being uh, out of school for eight years practicing and then basically just jumping right back in. It's like, oh my God, this is a whole different lifestyle. It's completely different than being a practicing OT. I don't know how people work and do this. I'm a full-time student. I am not working in a clinical setting right now, I am just studying and that is enough. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and w- how did you come to the conclusion that you were going to just study and not practice clinically? And like, I guess, like, how did you reach that decision? So this is, I, I will preface this by saying I am in a very privileged position. I am married to a man who has a full-time job and his job, he makes enough that me being able to not work is an option. And that is complete financial privilege. And I recognize that for everyone, that is not the case. I was also fortunate enough, and this is bizarre, extenuating circumstances, and I won't go into how I made this happen, but trust me, it was effort. I also qualified for in-state tuition even though we just moved back here last month is a long story, but my husband and I am the financial aid office really worked, collaborated and worked really, really hard to prove that my move here wasn't solely to go to school. And we were able to prove that through lots of documentation. And so that really helps. So if you're thinking in state, highly recommend in state, because if you have a good in state school, you will save yourself a boatload of tuition and it makes a huge difference. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh you know, and just in my experience doing this, it seems like I think a lot of people are catching on to that somewhat. Yep. You know, like people are wanting to stay within their state. So as I I have a questionnaire that if they want to enter the road to accepted program. So yeah. uh, it's a program where we help pre OTs and we guide them from beginning to end and they can even continue on. I'm restructuring everything about the road to accepted program. So like that current OT students can actually even continue being a part of it and pre OTs can interact and speak with current students. So I'm restructuring all that. That's fantastic. Um, and, but what, while doing, like seeing people's questionnaires, it's like, and speaking with students, it's the cost is a, is a big thing. And so I know that many people are trying to stay in state and, you know, I'll see the few students that are saying, I, it doesn't matter to me where I go. I just want to get in somewhere. And what I say to that is, you know, just kind of think about that though, because right. you don't Be want to go anywhere. Right. You know, not yep. every program is for you. So absolutely. Um, well, and the thing I was speaking to students who pre-OTs who either live in Wisconsin or live in Minnesota, because I believe Governor Evers re I know uh, Scott Walker got rid of it, but I believe Governor Evers put back the um, re- reciprocity between Minnesota and Wisconsin. So Minnesota students can get in-state tuition at state schools in Wisconsin. And 
I mean, we have Wisconsin has a ton of OT schools and that's there's some good and some bad things about that. But um, like I yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, we have UW Milwaukee, we have UW Madison, we have UW Lacrosse, and those three programs are consistently rated in like the top 25 OT programs in the country. And then there's also uh, Mount Mary that's in Wisconsin, that's in Wauwatosa. So it's close to Milwaukee. And then there's also Concordia, which is in Mequon, which is again, close to Milwaukee. So Southeast Wisconsin um, has a ton of OT programs and they're all very good. Very cool, very cool. And so you're getting your PhD in occupational therapy. Um, So what made you decide PhD over OTD? Uh, well, I am the child of two scholars. My mom has a PhD and my dad has his EDD. So for a long time, I said, I am never getting my PhD because I watched both of my parents go through it. And I was just like, this is too much. At first I was like, I'm going to get a bachelor's. I'll be fine. And then I decided to become an occupational therapist. And I was like, so I'll get my master's. That'll be fine. And the whole time. So I think you recall eight years ago, OTD was not a thing, right? Like it existed, but it wasn't really like a big thing. And then, um, and I want to say it wasn't until about three years ago, three or four years ago, that all of a sudden it started popping up more on people's radars, more schools started offering it, but it still wasn't that widely known. And, um, I thought about going back and getting an OTD just like for me personally thinking, yeah, you know, I really would like to have that doctor next to my name. And I would really like to be kind of on the forefront of where OT is going as far as like, uh, you know, we would be grandfathered in with our masters. We wouldn't be required to get the OTD, but it'd be nice to have it. Why not? And then when I was, when I started practicing, I started hearing from my former college professors, like when I would go to AOTA or just come back to Milwaukee to visit, whatever. And they would all say, Hey, have you thought about coming back and getting your PhD? And I'm like, no, I'm not getting my PhD. I'm working. I'm loving it. I enjoy being an occupational therapist. I'm happy where I am, whatever. Well, two and a half years ago, I had my son. I am closer to three, actually, he'll be three next month. The three years ago, I had my son and I stopped working full time and I went mm-hmm. PRN, but I PRN for one hospital and it basically was a full time job. I was just fortunate enough that that particular facility had enough hours that they were like, oh, no, we need you all the time. So it ended up being the best of both worlds. It was a super flexible position, but it was kind of like a full time job. I could work the full hours if I wanted to. So. I started doing that. And then I realized that I really didn't want to go back full-time in a clinical position that just suddenly wasn't really on my radar to do anymore. I was happy with my job, but full-time just didn't seem like something that I was going to do again ever. And my husband and I are on the same page about that. And then about six months ago, we did our annual trip back to Wisconsin, which is the beauty of being PRN that you can take long vacations. You don't get paid for them, but you can take the time off. And we came back to Wisconsin and we were spending time with our families. And my husband and I just kind of looked at each other and we're like, is this where we should be? Because we were living in Arizona and everything was wonderful. 
it was a great setup. Life was great, but it just kind of fell into a pattern. And I think he realized that professionally, I enjoyed my job, but I missed the learning part of it. And I'm not alone in this. I think you'll find with a lot of therapists that we like learning. You know, we might complain about we kind (laughs) of complain about doing continuing education because anything that's required is like, oh my God, I have to do this. But it's kind of fun to, to, you know, learn new things and whatever. And so it just occurred to me once he pointed that out that while I really enjoyed reading about occupational therapy and learning about occupational therapy, I wanted to be the person doing, who was on the forefront of new research. I wanted to be doing the research. I've always been very envious of the people who research for a living. That's what I always wanted to do. I love research. I love reading and I love research. And so I am at a point in my life. My son is old enough. He's three. He's going to his toddler school and he loves it. And UW-Milwaukee, I reached out to them and they said, we would love to have you. Obviously, we remember you from when you were an undergrad and from when you did your master's. That's the importance of leaving a positive impression on people and networking. And um, (laughs) those things that I put in place when I was in OT school came back to really help. And I was able to get into the program and a very, very long story. Now, here I am pursuing what I'm hoping will be the rest of my life, basically. That is awesome. That is so awesome. And maybe you could shine a little bit of light onto this. So I tell students that it's because a common question I get is, oh, should I get the master's or uh, OTD? And uh I tell them that one of just one of the many things that they should consider in deciding that is if they do see themselves doing research. Yes. You know, so if that is something that you are passionate about, and then to consider something else aside from the master's in occupational therapy, mm-hmm. would, would you say that when it comes to the research, getting a PhD in occupational therapy is actually a little bit more beneficial? I would say yes. I mean, the OTD doesn't, you can still do research with the OTD. And I know that there are faculty members out there. I don't think they're, I could be wrong. I'm not sure if they're full-time or not, but they are on the faculty and they have an OTD. I'm thinking specifically, I believe her Instagram is Crystal Monique and she is a certified hand therapist, but she also teaches in the SUNY in one of the SUNY colleges and she's OTD. So it is, and she does research as well. And so it is done. I think someone pointed out to me, the job listings for OTD and for PhD are just completely different though. OTD, Mm. um, to be a faculty member, it's more like you have to know somebody in order to get your foot in the door, which is where that networking comes back in. But if you're PhD, that, you know, you look at the job listing and it says requirement PhD and you have that. So very interesting. That's yeah. very good to know. And OK, so I have a uh, guess another question yeah. for you. How has it been going back to school and still having a little one? I know oh. that there are many students out there that, you know, I had I had two girls in my class who actually yeah. did get pregnant while in the program 
And so they started their families and everything was great, but they had to learn how to time manage that. And so I'm sure you can speak a little bit to that for uh, current mamas that are thinking about maybe doing a post-professional program or a going into maybe even an entry level OT program of some sort. So how has that been managing that? Um, not easy. I will be very <laughs> honest about that. Not easy at all. He's at a great age to do this because he's able to separate from me and go to school and he's super social and he loves it. And that's part of the age and also his personality. So sending him to daycare was a relatively easy decision because he's the kind of kid that thrives on being around others. The other piece of it that has really helped is we're near family now. Both my parents Mm -hmm. and my in-laws live in southeastern Wisconsin. My parents actually live less than a mile from our house. And both of them work for UWM. So they're on campus all the time as well. And they, they've been instrumental in helping us make this transition. My kid loves spending time with his grandparents. He loves going over to their house. He loves being around them. So if I need time to study, I have a handful of people who I could call or text and just be like, hey, can you help me out? I need you to take him for a couple of hours. Again, that's a position of privilege. I'm absolutely in a position of privilege. But I will say that we did not think about, my husband and I did not think about me going back to school when we lived in Arizona because we weren't near any of our family. That would have been very, very hard to do. And so that was one of the cost benefit things that we weighed when making this decision was we asked our families, hey, um, if I'm going to if Emily's going to do this, are you guys going to be able to help us out? And they said yes. And so that made the decision that much easier. I'm glad you do not do not think that daycare is a bad thing. I feel like daycare gets a really bad rap, especially in COVID (laughs) times. And I get that. I mean, Lord knows we've had daycare closed because of COVID exposures. My kid has been exposed. He actually came back positive this time. It was horrible. I don't recommend anybody getting COVID. I don't recommend watching your child have COVID. It's the hardest thing. Fortunately, he pulled through. He's doing really well, but he thrives in a daycare setting. He so he's an only child and he will be, but he's so social. He loves playing with other kids. He loves being around other adults. He loves making those relationships. And I just feel like daycare gets a really bad rap and it shouldn't. Yeah. And I mean, as OTs, I think both you and me, we really know the power of socialization and just play. And I mean, also, it just gives you as a mama and a student the opportunity to do what you need to do. And I tell my students all the time, too, that when it comes to deciding on a school, you're not a solo app. You know what I mean? And a lot of students, you know, especially uh, Gen Zers and millennials, like, I mean, it's no surprise that a lot of us, we're not getting married and, right. uh, you, you know, and that they're postponing kids and all that stuff. Yeah. Right? Like, that's no, yeah. that's no surprise. But the point is that, you know, when when you are single, uh, it's easier to make those type of decisions, right? Yeah. Like, oh, God, yes. Go. Yeah, I'm just going to go because I, yep. right? Yep. But, you know, and but I tell students, like, you don't know how the decision that you make today is going to affect you even three years from now. You Absolutely. know, like you, you moved 
back to 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 Wisconsin. Yeah. And because of that decision, you know, it puts you into the position of, oh, I don't think I could do this because I can't. So, right. you know, it's really about assessing your environment and where you're at in life. And I think that if you just use some very common sense, circumstantial, you know, observations, you'll see which programs are so are right for you. So Yes. Yes. Well, and the other thing, I mean, this is speaking to like the motherhood complex out there. I feel like it's becoming more and more socially acceptable for our generation. And I mean, I am what is defined as a geriatric millennial. I am on the cusp of the millennial, but I am still a millennial. I feel like it's becoming more and more popular amongst moms to really prioritize ourselves and do things that make us happy. You know, you might say, or somebody might say, oh, kids need to be with their mothers. How can a mother just leave their child to daycare? How can you want to do these things? And you need to be prioritizing your kid. And it's like, at the end of the day, a child most benefits from when, when their parents are happy because you're demonstrating to them that you matter, that your choices and your happiness matter. And I like to think that that's what he's getting out of this, that he's seeing that, you know, there is no age cutoff to go back to school, that there Mm -hmm. is, you know, moms can do important things, that women can do important things and things that matter. And so I like to think that that's what I'm really giving him. And also he gets to get away from me for five hours a day and he gets to play with a lot of cool kids and play with a lot of cool toys that I don't have at home. So I, I feel zero guilt about taking him to daycare, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I don't know if it's the occupational therapist in us, but I am totally <laughs> on board with you. I do feed and, you know, like it, it, it is, there's just so many benefits to getting the kid out, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so but yeah, that's that's awesome to to hear, and I just I I hope that this shows you know if you are a mother currently and you're thinking about going to school, it is possible. Just you know, see just see what you can do to m- make it happen and, yeah. and get the support you need. I think that yes. that's ultimately what it's about. Well, you and know, this is also I also think that. OT, as much as we are trying to move more towards like 50-50 men and women, um, there is still a large female population amongst occupational therapists, right? That I think statistically, the majority of occupational therapists are female. So in relation to that, a lot of your professors in occupational therapy school are probably going to be women. And a lot of them are going to be mothers. And so I feel like if you are able to connect, the experience of motherhood really does bond women. And you don't understand that until you have kids. And I know that sounds really silly to say, but once you have a kid, you find yourself talking to people in to other parents in ways that you never would have thought that you would have before. It's bizarre. And just trust me when I say this. But then that's also kind of nice because you're able to connect with other parents in ways that you wouldn't necessarily have before. And so I know when I was an undergraduate, there was a woman in my program who she had her baby our first semester. And our professors were very accommodating of that, you know, that she wasn't in finals because she was in the hospital having a baby. And the professors all took that into consideration. You know, it's life. 
you'd have to be pretty hard hearted to be like, oh, you're having a baby. Sorry, you still have to get your presentation in, you know, the same day that you had your child. I just feel like accommodations can be made no matter where you are in the program. Yeah. You just have to be willing to ask for them. And I saw that too within my cohort yeah. uh, when I was getting my master's in OT. So we, like I, like I said, I we had two girls that got pregnant. One, yeah, they were in the program with me, and you know, it, it, it's exactly what you said. It's like, well, no, you still got to turn in that paper. I know you were giving right. one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, when I was doing not in my undergraduate OT, but my undergraduate uh, in English before I entered OT school, um, I had my fall semester of my junior year, I got really sick and circumstances, I had to go home. I couldn't be in person to take my finals. And my professors were all completely understanding. I took the incompletes and I finished those finals while I was on my winter breaks, got my grades. But the professors were like, what do they care? Honestly, like they're not going to be able to grade the stuff on, you know, necessarily in any given time anyway. So maybe it gives them a little bit of leeway that they it's just one less paper they have to grade immediately. People are human. They understand that. It's okay to ask for accommodation. You just have to be willing to ask for the accommodation. Exactly. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so do you have any last minute piece of advice for our listeners, current OT students, pre-OT students, I mean? So any last words before we, we wrap things up? Uh, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee is an amazing school. You should definitely look into it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I have to plug it. It's wonderful. I did undergraduate master's and now I'm PhD here. So there's something that keeps bringing me back. I love the school. I love the faculty. I love the atmosphere. If you are even remotely thinking about coming to Wisconsin for OT school, I highly recommend that you give this one a shot. Just give it a look. And if you want to talk about, if you want to talk experience in OT school at UWM, you can reach out to me or just OT school in general. My email is ot.momlife at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out. Otherwise, Instagram is that OT underscore momlife. I'm an open book. I love to help people. I love to help people get into OT school. I please, by all means, reach out. I'm happy to help. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful to just have you on the show. I this has just been an awesome opportunity and even a learning opportunity for me to see a little bit more about just the differences between PhD and clinical doctorate and seeing how you were mentioning about the differences in in, in jobs. So now you guys know if you are really wanting a job in academia, look into PhD in occupational therapy. It may be a little bit more up of what you're actually wanting and looking for. Yes. And I know that there's very few in between, actually, if I'm not mistaken. It's very rare to find PhD in occupational therapy. Yeah, it's certainly becoming more common, but yeah, it's not very common mm. at all. Any random chance you know how many programs there are? Don't. I would have to look that. It's not many, though. I know that because both my husband and I looked at different programs before I settled on UWM. There really aren't that many. It's very, very few. It's so many more OTD than PhD. Wow. Yeah. And I believe so. I guess if we're a clinical uh, professional, it makes sense, but... If you're looking for academia, the PhD, like you were saying, does make sense. And uh, so definitely give University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee a look if you're looking to move to the Midwest. Are in the Midwest. Yes. And <laughs> if you are in the Midwest, 
we would love to hear from you as well and have you join our Creoc community. You can learn more about that on on our website and on our Instagram ot.genius as well. So we that's what we focus on. We focus on helping Creocs get into OT school. So uh, we hope that this has helped you, and we will catch you in the next one. Thank you so much for joining me and taking time out of your day to listen. We hope that this has been of value to you and will get you one step closer towards becoming the OT that you want to be. One of the biggest problems I see is that pre-OTs, they try to do things alone. They do things in isolation and the connections that they have are minimal for many reasons. But we are changing that here at OT Genius and focusing instead on building a community for pre-OTs for them to have their first OT family and meet other pre-OTs current OT students and clinicians. To be a part of that awesome community, you can subscribe to our membership by going to otgenius.com. Just go to the tab, get me into OT school on the homepage, and you can join our awesome community there. You can also find our social medias and ways to get in touch with us on the website. So thank you again and see you in the next one.